Uh, welcome everyone. This is Manufacturing Hub with me, Dave, and this guy over here, Vlad. We have managed to make it to episode 37 with Bobby Cole from Think PLC as our guest on Systems Integrators, the theme. Uh, Bobby, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, guys. I'm excited to talk with you. It's uh, I've watched these 36 shows I've, you know, in the vehicle, in the plants, in the hotel rooms, and um, I just appreciate what you guys are doing, so I'm excited to be chatting with you today. No, absolutely. Thank you so much, Bobby, for taking the time. And uh, we've spoken a couple of times, obviously, off stream, and I know that this conversation is going to be very productive for me, and I'm hoping for a lot of the engineers slash managers in the automation space who are listening in. So I'd be curious, you know, if you could give us maybe some kind of an introduction first, um, and also talk a little bit about ThinkPLC, where you are today. Well, like like Dave said, we're much more than than good ball caps. Uh, I did wear it for you, Dave. Thank uh, you. I appreciate it, Bobby. We're proud of our um, Richardson trucker hats that we have. Um, I, I appreciate that you like the brand. Um, that was that was pretty good. Um, and we're more than Brewlogics, but um, I'm excited to talk to you about that because it's become a passion amongst leading an amazing group of individuals that think PLC. Um, and essentially what is Think PLC? We're a systems integrator, but we think it's much more than that. Um, and we could talk for a day on, on those specifics. Um, but we design, build, and install and service automated control systems for a variety of industries. And the other caveat I will say is for um, our world, we're a bit more mechanical, but we're not a machine builder at all. We do support some great machine builders, but we have mechanical capability and some fabrication ability in-house. And what's the, I guess, what was the path for you getting to being the owner of Think PLC? Could you give us maybe a bit about of uh, your background? Uh, what, uh, what did you study? What did you do before starting the systems integration company? Oh, yeah. So started off... Um, Following in a family member's footsteps to a certain degree, uh, I had an uncle who was a very interesting man. Um, he was on one of the first nuclear submarines that the Navy had produced and uh, spent his time in the Navy and then got out, um, got his engineering degree and then made his way into manufacturing. Obviously, now he's retired and living life um, in retirement. But uh, um, my uncle John, I've always followed in his footsteps and like him, I went first to get a associate's degree in electronics engineering technology, um, which I'm very proud of, a lot of practical skills, went to a great school in the southwest tip of Virginia. And then I carried that over video streaming and in class as I worked to Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. So Virginia, uh, born and bred, and unfortunately, uh, I'm only a few hours away. Um, I did move out of the state. I'm now in the very central part of North Carolina. I'm home based in Winston-Salem, but I make my way to Virginia often. We work in Virginia weekly. Um, we also cover the East Tennessee. You'll see that we have an office in Winston-Salem. We also have an office in Kingsport, Tennessee to cover that very Southwest tip of Virginia. Uh, the tip of Kentucky and Eastern Tennessee, all the way over to Chattanooga. And so, um, yeah, so my passion started off as a, as a, uh, I got into manufacturing following, like I say, my uh, uncle John's footsteps. Um, I was given a chance. And after 9-11, there wasn't a lot of chances for young people to get out and get jobs and get experience. It was a, 
interesting time. Uh, much like for a short period of time, 2008 was, or 2009, really. And so I got into manufacturing um, because I would put in the effort. Um, I saw myself grow quickly, um, but I, I, I'm never, I have never been one to settle for um, whatever the task given to me. I've always got to do more. I've always got to know more. And if you were interviewing my dad, he would tell you that I was probably the most annoying kid ever, but he appreciates now that I asked all his questions and he, he wishes they would have been more patient with me. He said, you, you, you had to know everything and it drove me nuts, you know, and, and, you know, I thought you was just being a kid, but you, you really wanted to know. So, you know, as I took my first job, you know, the reason I was able to get it, it was because, you know, I would be more flexible and I, you know, young people, I really promote this um, just because your job title doesn't say PLC programmer doesn't mean that that's your life for the rest of your life. You know, I don't care if you start off as, you know, welder, um, if you want to manifest being the PLC programmer, um, you can get there. Um, but, but the steps taken, like the things like learning to run manual milling equipment, um, mill, lathe, machine shop equipment, learning to weld, uh, learning to pop fit, learning industrial electrical knowledge, you know, eventually going and, and getting my uh, unlimited license in, in National Electric Code, um, you know, to, to just understand more and get more out of my career. Um, I've been very career focused. Started my career doing a lot of Rockwell automation in the Dell computer plant here in Winston-Salem. So I worked as a uh, contractor. I worked for Daifuku America, very mm -hmm. large at the time, the world's largest material handling uh, company. And we did um, ASRS cranes, which was my responsibility. We did conveyor systems. I had something like six miles of conveyor in one plant, as an example, I was responsible for. And all the... Um, the robotic equipment to store the 1800 computers an hour we were producing at the time. And so it was all Rockwell and I did some Mitsubishi with the Japanese as well. So Mitsubishi Rockwell. And um, I started with some friends of mine uh, recommending me to help them over time. I started running into European equipment or Canadian equipment that had Siemens on it and it drove me nuts. I want to know what this is, this black box. At the time, they were black plastic, right? And um, so I had gotten word that the local community college, Davidson Community College here outside of Winston-Salem, had teamed up with a uh, Belgium-owned flooring company to build uh, a program to uh, develop technicians for their maintenance program and that they had a full lab of Siemens. So, you know, after multiple phone calls. I finally get the electronics instructor, Steve Sink, amazing person. And I called Steve and I said, here's who I am, Steve. And here's the degree I got. I want to come take your PLC class because I need, I just feel like I need to get up to speed on Siemens. You got to think we're coming out of S5. You got the 90s, S7s come out, you know, um, step sevens in version 5.3 at this time, you know, I mean, step seven classic. So we're, we're rocking and rolling, you know, with that. And, um, and Steve said, you know, you, you could probably teach the class. How about I just open up the labs and you come and I give you all the instructor material and you learn as you want to learn. You come in as you can because you're in the industry and, um, and, and, you know, take your time and do it. So I did that. So I'd come in a couple hours a week and I'd, I'd go through the, the programs he had and uh, use the trainer equipment. And at, at the end of my uh, time at Dell, because Dell quickly ramped that plant down to move out of the country, 
um, it, it just worked out in my favor as I was doing some consulting work. Um, Steve called me and said, you know, we, we've gotten a grant for uh, about half a million dollars and we've got to make something happen and you're the only guy I know to do it. And I just, the gumption you had to call me and ask me to use our labs, we never get that. And uh, would you be willing to come teach and help us implement these labs? Sure thing. So this is 2005-ish. And uh, so I started um, at that time focusing almost full time and doing consulting work um, for the community college. Uh, we finished that grant, got another million dollar grant right after that uh, to build this real world manufacturing lab inside of the uh, associate's degree electronics program at the at the campus here in, in North Carolina. And um, at the same time, uh, Steve, uh, you know, become a, not only a mentor, but a great friend. He pushed me in the business. He said, you know, you, you need to get out here and, and do some consulting work. And, you know, you have time off in the summer. And and uh, and so I did, he, you know, he helped me with understanding how to get a, a EIN number with IRS and how to set up with the state. And um, he was just more than willing. He, he, he can manifest for me my future as this business consultant helping the college. And um, and yeah, that took off like a rocket. Um, so about 2000. Seven, I hired my first full-time employee. Uh, we worked out of my garage. So we, we sat by a propane heater in the garage and built control panels and, um, and took in what work we could through word of mouth, through local distributors, and built those relationships up. I still taught at the community college, and we started rocking. By 2009, I was up to 14 um, employees. Wow. Had started a panel shop, and um, like Think PLC had the value of engineering the cab design and was going and installing and doing service work. And um, one of my customers came to me and, uh, and said, you know, we're spending a bunch of money with you. Um, would you be interested in selling your business? And I'm 27 years old at the time and it was a pretty hard sell. Uh, we went through about a, a year long acquisition conversation. And at the time it made sense for me to, to partner up, get the get all my employees at the time, big business things. I can learn peer to peer. Uh, I can become a vice president in a larger 50 year old company. And so I did. I, I sold the business at 27 years old, which, you know, a lot of people, even with a business degree, rarely gets the chance to do. Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting happen chance in my life as well. So, um, yeah. And just to confirm, on. Bobby. So, sorry yeah. to interrupt your your train of thought, but that was not Think PLC, right? For those who are listening in, this was a different company prior to Think PLC. Prior to Think PLC, yeah, it's like second nature to me. So I appreciate you uh, hopping in there. Yeah, so a company called Power Lab Controls. Um, I sold that company to a uh, material handling crane automation company. Um, I become vice president of that company. Um, stayed there about three years. Um, about a year into that, I started realizing why I uh, become so entrepreneurial in the uh, first place. Um, and we talk about it here at Think PLC because we promote being what we call a uh, entrepreneurial team player. Uh, this in the systems integration business, all employees are are act on the company's behalf, and there's a there's a layer of that. And I think it's what um, excites folks to leave that cushy 
go to the same building plant job to come to the see different things every week, go to different mm-hmm. places and do the grind that we call systems integration that we all know about. Um, so in, in that, I was looking for an exit strategy. I was looking back to get to that, um, those core values that I felt that I had the core values to why I even started a business, the things that Steve Sink had talked to me about years prior. And um, so I did. So I left and um, now we're at Think PLC. Um, I've learned my lessons, the hard lessons with business partners. Uh, again, I could author a book and go around to business schools and, <laughs> and, and talk about the, the, the good things to do and the, um, and, you know, the things to not do, um, you know, I've been through the highs, you know, where um, I'm fully in control. We're making amazing money. We have a huge group of raving fans. We call it customers and everything is just perfect. And I've been on the tail end of that where, you know, there's the work in a shop slow and you've got, you know, business partners that don't share the same eclectic values as you and, and being taken advantage of in business. I've been through all of that. And that's why I think PLC is so close to my heart where I'm so passionate about it. But the one thing about think PLC as I started that I did that I've never done in the past is I said, you know, the one thing I'm going to do here is I'm going to focus on being a better leader and a better manager than just being the best Rockwell programmer or the best Siemens motion control guy that maybe in the past that I would put all my focus on. So uh, I've really flipped from from that mindset of I'm an engineer doing business to a uh, servant business leader doing automation. Yeah, and I I think, you know, there's a lot of topics I want to jump into, uh, but uh, that that very last point is extremely important, and we'll explore, I guess, that transition. You know, and obviously, I'd like to get your advice on you know going from engineer to manager, or again, I would say more of a leader of people within again your own business or maybe the constraints of a company. And I think I also I really want to discuss your involvement with the with the college because you're still part of the faculty and you're still mm-hmm. teaching. Um, uh, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's PLC programming, robotics, um, and uh, it's CNC as well, right? Or- yeah, I think what you're seeing is a spring 2019 curriculum. I was able to pick up three classes for the college in the spring, which is really helpful for them because they had had two retire and, and one um, uh, commit not show up at the at the beginning of a semester in the spring of 2019. Um, Yeah, it it varies Um, from bringing in outside industry to engaging with students. um, I actually go in and do uh, special lectures like on hot topics. Uh, I'll go in periodically and take over the PLC class to say, okay, you've learned all this. I'm going to take you a little step further and show off some things that we do. And, And really the engagement's great when I just talk about some cool stuff like flying to Maui, Hawaii a month ago to replace a couple of VFDs and a swap an S7-300 out. And, and I show them some slides of some pictures of the beach. They, they could care less about the pictures of the control panels, but I'm like, you know, this took three hours and then I spent the day on the uh, on the beach in uh, Wahala Beach. And, um, you know, they get to see that and it, they, can, they can then see themselves in that role. Um, I really like talking about that. Um, and so, yeah, so to go back to the college advisory board, we had a meeting last week, as a matter of fact, about curriculum, what order the curriculum should be in. Um, 
but to go back to answer further what you were mentioning about the classes, I've taught everything from ACDC theory to digital electronics to op amps and microprocessors. Um, I tend to help more with the automation emphasis of the program uh, where there's a core you can take as a student that focuses on automation um, because of my expertise. Um, so I really enjoy um, digital electronics. Um, I'm, if I had my pick out of all of them, it would be let me teach the digital electronics class. Let me teach the PLC classes because I can marry those two together um, yep. At ODU, I had amazing digital analysis professors with Professor Jones and John Hackworth, and I will plug John Hackworth. Uh, he has a book on Amazon called Programmable Logic Controllers, if you would know it. Um, John Hackworth. It's a little green book. It's one of the best written um, non-manufacturer specific PLC books ever written. Um, everything from digital to analog, what did the devices look like and how they function, but more from a student of digital electronics, which I think is a really core thing and we're losing in education. And I'll talk about that in a second, but he shows how to take the JK flip-flop and implement it in ladder logic. And he solves real, uh, real applications like a single cycle cam and how you do it in ladder logic. Then he talks about mnemonic programming. He talks about, you know, analog signals and variances and issues and what causes grounding issues and what that would look like on a scope and what will do to your PLC. It is an awesome book. And then the second book associated with that is Max, um, uh, Max Clydefield. It's called Bebop to the Boolean Boogie. It's, it's an, um, what does he say? It's an unconventional guide to electronics. It has everything. It should be on everybody doing this work. It should be on your desk. If nothing else, just a talking piece. It's a fun read. And he, um, he makes what we learned in school that we all, you know, we, we wanted to sleep through. He makes it fun and it's a good go back and look at later um, if you need to go back and, and study up on something you learned 10 years ago plus. Um, so, yeah, my involvement goes past that um, with some of the grant funds with what's called NC Works. I often help get local industry training. Uh, so retraining on things like safety, um, things like the NEC code book, things like PLC controls troubleshooting. And I can get that paid for a lot of times by the state of North Carolina. You just show up. You're, you're not out of pocket anything but the time to bring your maintenance staff over to get trained. So that relationship that I've had with a college, I'm able to do things that ultimately a lot of folks feel like the brick wall. There's a, there's a brick wall there. So when you're in industry, you feel like there's a brick wall getting through to the right people at these colleges and training centers. And then when you're at the college, because I've been on both sides, and you're trying to get industry to support you, show up for advisory board meetings, donate, hire your students, you can't get these people. There's a brick wall there. And I feel like if nothing else, I'm, I'm chipping away at that brick wall in the Carolinas and in, in the community colleges I've support. Um, in, in outside of North Carolina that I've done train the trainer for and sit on specialty advisory board uh, committees to, to help with this topic in general. Bobby, sorry, I, I'm already getting questions about the books. I didn't write down the two titles yeah. that you recommended. Do you mind um, reiterating, please? Absolutely. So the first one is John Hackworth. He is the author of Programmable Logic Controllers. And the second one is Max Clydefield's Bebop to the Boolean Boogie. 
Awesome. Uh, I'll uh, I'll make sure to post the links in just a moment. We got a question on that on LinkedIn and a question on that on YouTube. But um, Dave, I want I want to give you an opportunity to ask a question as I research these books, if because uh, I think there's many directions we want to take. But si- certainly, you know, going with the systems integration theme could explore that uh, in a lot more detail. No, no, absolutely, Bobby. And so I think that your your background, your story, the the how you got to think PLC is very interesting. You know, you go, you become the engineer, you're building, you, you build what I assume was mostly a panel shop. And then you have the opportunity to sell the panel shop and learn kind of a more broader business as you kind of described it. And then you came back into what is now Think PLC. And you came in with the, I'm, I'm here to be the leader. I'm here to be the manager. I'm not here to be the best engineer. And I... I think that that is kind of the biggest miss I see most engineers make either as when they go to start their own systems integration company or when they go to scale it of how do I move from being, you know, the guy or the person who has to know everything to the, how do I lead and enable my team? How do I bring in more business? Um, Would you say that kind of that transit, that, that, transitional mindset was mostly because you were able to sell the first company and physically move on from it? And what what advice would you have of other people potentially looking to, to scale their systems integration firm? One word, organic. Stay organic. <laughs> uh, organic finding of customers, organic acquisitions, organic um, uh, onboarding of new employees. That is a word. And um, anybody wants to reach out to me and learn more about what I'm talking about, feel free to reach out. I'm, I, as, as Vlad will tell you, I'll, you know, he reached out about an MBA. Uh, we, we spoke about that, you know, a year ago. Um, I am, I, I am passionate about helping others. And I wanted to be a part of a group where eclectically everybody apart felt the same way. Uh, which which we often, you've probably seen some of my posts where we feel like what we do is our responsibility and not just a job. So uh, imagine, um, use the term, imagine if you, you went up to your local Walmart and everyone working at that Walmart, I'm not putting down anybody at Walmart, this is not what this is, or, or the company in general, but imagine if everyone there felt like what they did was their responsibility and not just a job. We might see, you know, people staffed, we might see, uh, or better staffing at the checkouts. You might see someone there to grab your buggy and take it over for you and take, you know, that's what I'm looking for in a business. But um, I tell you, the the best lesson learned was the, um, and it's, I'll just be vulnerable here because that's part of, you know, mm-hmm. being a good leader. And I was in business with people that um, did not share the same core values as me about, what we're committed to do, not only what we do, but how do we behave? And I now can operate and say, you know, I seen this choice be made last time and it was made uh, in error and I can learn from that. Um, it was a very hard way to learn to be taken advantage of is not a, not a good way to learn by no means. But I've got to say that um, think PLC is picking yourselves up by your bootstraps and, and chugging forward. And so that's what it is. Um, in the last few months, I have directed more people to, um, a book by Patrick Lencioni. Um, if you care at all about being a good manager or leader, or if you want to run a business, you better know who Patrick Lencioni is. Okay. 
He writes books some, like Death by Meetings. Um, uh, you know, he, he has a book about the five dysfunctions of a team, but he sums it up perfectly. And I'm reading his book uh, through my leadership group. You know, this book is, is, is given to us as like, hey, you, should, you definitely should dive into this book. And I, I'm about 80% through, and he breaks down two companies. And I've shared this in multiple times. I even shared it at a speaking event I did for Siemens back in August. And it is riveting. I think about my prior experience with other managers and business partners, and this is just riveting. And so here's what Patrick Lanciani says. He says, there's two companies to compare, right? One's working and one's not working well, right? And, and the question is, is like, we're, we're digging, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're doing everything we can, we're killing ourselves, but we still can't figure out what's going on here. That's everyone's age old issue. Like I'm working harder, but I'm not seeing, you know, the, the, the clouds go away and the finances go up and everybody being happy and all that. So Patrick Lynch only breaks down two groups. He says, the first one, they all share a common passion for what they do and they're committed to abiding by the same set of values. They have a clear plan for success and they know exactly how they differ from their competition. At any given moment, they can articulate their top collective priority and they understand how every member of the team contributes to achieving that priority. Okay, good stuff, right? Sounds great. But he, the, the one that we've all operated in and we've all been a team member in is a second company. It's, it's a company that's run by a group of well-intentioned executives. Ooh, that caught me when I first read that. Well-intentioned executives. It could be well-intentioned employees or managers. Yeah. All right. They have a good understanding of the details of their business, but they don't spend much time thinking or talking about why their organization exists or what values should drive their behaviors. Though they talk about being more strategic, they can't really articulate a simple, clear strategy and they don't have a consistent method for evaluating decisions. The leadership team is constantly managing against a long list of eclectic goals, some of which may not be compatible and most of which pertain to only a few members of the team. Moreover, most team members have somewhat limited knowledge about the interest and specific responsibilities of their peers. All right, so what does that come down to? Um, it comes down to clarity. If you research more in that, that in itself describes two organizations, one that's high performing, one that's not. And what we call that is organi organizational health. That can be in a company of 5,000. It can be in a company of five. If you're not working on it from day one, you are going to have a tough road. You have to create clarity, you have to over-communicate clarity, and then you have to reinforce it. It's very simple. These are basic things we all know. And we sit in these meeting rooms, in these teams meetings, and we can't understand why we're not working less and seeing more benefit from it. And that's where my research, my um, involvement in leadership groups, and constant study to be a better leader is is paying off ultimately. Yeah, and it's certainly um, very um, good advice, I guess, from that book. I think it's very hard to make that transition, and I can certainly sympathize with uh, with that sentiment. And 
obviously to your last comment, there's even meetings, you know, you're sitting there and then you just think like, why am I even in this meeting? You know what I mean? That's even, I guess, like a, a more fundamental question than even what the company is doing. But yeah. um, that, that's no. it. You, you got it. And there's there's no time is good time. It's like having children, right? No time is a good time to do it. Um, Same thing about fixing your organization to uh, make a high performing business and creating all these things. You you have to stick to it, right? Uh, I mean, you you absolutely have to stick to it. And from a leadership standpoint, when I'm having, if I'm processing an issue, which we're all going to have, right? We have people, we have equipment, we have customers. There's, There's a lot of things going on. When I'm processing business-related issues, um, there is ways to manage it, but you've got to ask, what have I not done? Have I not presented enough clarity for this person, particularly maybe I'm having trouble with, they're underperforming within my organization? Have I not presented them with enough clarity so that they can do their job effectively? And what is expected either from our customers or from me? I I typically are going to be tougher than our customers. So, um, and so I've had to reevaluate myself. I've changed in the last two years completely. Yeah, that's, that's another, I guess, very interesting point. I don't know if uh, you ever read the books by Jocko Willing, but uh, he talks a lot about, you know, owning, or I guess like self-ownership in a way. So, you know, the comment that you made towards the end, I think aligns with the way like he's, he's teaching leadership, which is, that whenever something goes wrong, I would say again, and I would be like responsible of this, like when you're at a, I would say like earlier stage in your career, you always tend to kind of blame the other person, you know, they're not doing something to the degree that I would like it done. And obviously, like the thinking should be almost reversed. Like you said, you should be thinking like, maybe I didn't clearly explain myself so that they could do it the right way. And again, it could be expectations, it could, it could be all sorts of things within the business, but I, I like the way you put it for sure. Uh, we had a question, yeah, Bobby, we had a, we had a question, which I think you pretty much answered at this point, but, uh, Dan is asking name top three decisions you had to make, uh, in order to make it as a manager. So I guess, I think like that brings us to a, an interesting, maybe transition. You know, you talked a lot about mentorship. You're part of a group that helps uh, businesses and puts you together into, I guess I would say like an area where you can learn how to do that transition. But what would you say, um, you know, someone who's maybe in an engineering role with maybe two to five years of experience mm-hmm. and is perhaps either having a conversation with their manager of like moving up or is thinking of like moving up who perhaps maybe doesn't have the resources to again, go out and do an MBA or go out and pay for these like mentors. What do you think is kind of best um, in terms of approaching that? Yeah, you, this is a fantastic question. And um, there are entire books written about this libraries of books written about this Um, I would say that there is a misconception that someone who is a hard worker is immediately a um, manager, um, and that's not the case. Uh, Learning to be a manager is a skill that's acquired, and it's a you never are the manager. You're never done with that. Um, As you see the top leadership in the companies that these two to five-year length career folks are in, 
their management folks should be working on their skills themselves because you're never done working on your education as a better manager. Um, that's the reason why not only do I, as I mentioned, do the mentorship, I have the leadership group, I do the, the studies, I have a leadership coach, um, but I do that for others. Um, but yeah, the misconception is bad that, uh, that, that someone can just be a good manager on day, day one. Yep. And um, it, it does not come just natural to people. Uh, some people can do it easily because they know how to control their emotions and they know how to communicate. They are better. That doesn't make them a better or worse manager. Um, it just makes them a good communicator, which is a key principle of being that manager. Um, so I would, um, I don't know if I answered the question, but I would have to say that the, the, if you're going to step in that, you have to create um, abundance of trust. You have to understand how to deal with conflict. We call it off, uh, we use the term carefentation now, uh, where you can actually have a difficult conversation with someone that you want to have an ongoing relationship with. Um, that, that commitment, you have to show commitment. You have to understand what accountability means. And you more importantly have to understand what uh, vulnerability means, which what I mean is I need help. Vulnerable enough to say I need help. You go through those five things and you're on your road to being a leader. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a lot of things for me at least to work on. But um, Bobby, I want to ask a follow-up on that. And Dan also wrote, I guess, a similar question to what I was going to ask. So he wrote, uh, what do you do to make sure that you don't fall off the path that you put yourself on as a manager? And I guess to tack, tack on like what I was thinking is how do you set maybe like goals or metrics that are, you know, concrete when you're trying to, I guess, like improve? Because again, going back to, let's say, a technical skill, you can probably see yourself improving. You can program more complex systems. But as you learn like leadership skills, what's like, huh? What? Sorry, there's yeah. dashboard for that, right? There's obvious right. outcomes. We either succeed or we don't. Yeah, and you uh, could get a certificate, and you you know yeah. what's the progress. But uh, when it comes to yeah. leadership, it's very complex, at least from my perspective. That is a fantastic question. There is a misconception that up here at the top that we are reign almighty and that we know and uh, know better than all. That is not the truth. Um, I'm only as good as the team members that I entrust to help me manage on a daily basis. But the question of it is, is that um, accountability, right? All of us have to be held accountable, including myself. So what we do is we hold one-on-ones monthly. We have accountability sheet. It's a conversation. It's not a uh, performance review. It's a conversation about, you know, what's going on in your life right now? What challenges do you have? What's, what's the biggest decisions you have to make in the next 30 days? What can I be doing to help you? It's a conversation that each one of my managers have with the people within their rank. I did a training class with each one of them. I sat down and did a one-on-one -on -one with them and said, this is how this is supposed to go. Here's what not to do. And again, this is not a performance or a write-up time to do one-on-ones. This is a conversation that you're going to hold monthly, weekly, in every organization. If everybody from the bottom to the top 
they are not having one-on-one scheduled at least monthly, if not quicker. I feel like you're not going to over communicate clarity and you're going to have issues and you're going to say, I don't understand. We have communication issues here. What's going on? Yeah. What are you doing to fix it? So um, the one-on-ones are a big deal. You're going back to your question you asked me was what do I do? And I have a leadership coach that shows up every month and he does my one-on-one. He knows intimately what's going on with me personally. He knows what's going on inside this company. And in doing that, he pulls out and he comes prepared. Uh, I come prepared with what I want to talk about now. And he says, well, last month you said you was going to have this conversation with that person. How did that go? And I say, well, you know, I didn't get around to doing it. You know, I got busy. He'll say, well, no, Bobby, that's, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, This problem keeps coming up and you're not, you know, I have accountability measures by doing one-on-ones myself. I, I really like that. That's, uh, I guess, I think um, what would be a challenge for a lot of people is finding that right mentor slash coach at that level, which uh, we can uh, dive deeper into. But I do want to let Dave ask maybe a couple of questions uh, before we go down this road. Yeah, no, no. I, I, so I absolutely love that, Bobby. And uh, I think that all of our conversations in the systems integrator theme, they, they were all very different, right? And I think that that was part of the goal is to have very different uh, different conversations. And I think you bring a really good perspective and that kind of brings up maybe a internal thought that I'd love to get, you know, feedback from everyone listening is, should we put together some sort of like leadership uh, theme, you know, be it leadership, be it, you know, how do you go from being an individual contributor to a manager? Because I think everything Bobby is saying is very good. And I almost feel bad that we don't have 17 more hours in order to, to go through to talk about it, because I, I think that we, we could, you know, have this conversation. Yeah you know, for 20 or 30 hours. And it is, you know, lifetimes of work to have that. So I I think that that is, I think that that is very interesting. And I appreciate you kind of bringing that up, Bobby, because I think that it is a, you know, that they're all very important topics that we should all, we we all have to continuously strive to get better. Uh, Specifically to your your comment about one-on-ones. I, I, there have been places that I've worked in the past that, you know, you go, you start and you work in a place and it's like, okay, you know, we don't see each other all the time. So we're going to check in once a week or every other week. And then at some point it becomes the, Oh, I'm too busy on this or I'm too busy on that. Yeah. To, to, it goes to messages to, you know, we talk to each other once every eight weeks, only about the thing that is currently on fire that had, we had the conversation eight weeks ago, we would not have had to work. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And it's uh, so, so I think that the the way that you guys are building the company with the one on ones and the building the time into the schedule is uh, is very important. And I think that that is something that we should all strive for, especially as we spend less and less time physically together um, inside offices, uh, you know, with COVID and with everything becoming, you know, much more. We're all now going everywhere to do the things that we may not have got to do for the last year and a half. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, you can go watch all the TED Talks you want on YouTube, but how do you apply that is where the mm-hmm. meat, you know, the rubber hits the road there. Um, <laughs> we did an exercise more than a year ago. Um, I brought the shop folks in first. I wanted to start with uh, the shop, the hourly folks. Fantastic group of people, all body in. And, um, but I wanted to start there and um, I will, I will, 
I will follow back up with this. I want to say as a leader, no matter how big your company is, is for me to walk into an all company meeting and say, all right, guys, what's two things you've seen me do wrong in the last three months is pretty riveting for people when you want to get people bought in. You want people to feel like it's a responsibility as a leader. When you can do that, um, it, it's a big deal. Um, that's that's where the, the vulnerability meets the accountability. But one thing that I did, I took from um, an exercise that, that we had done in some leadership coaching. So I, I pulled my group in and I said, all right, guys, um, what makes a good employee? And I'm at the whiteboard and they're like, what is this? What are we doing? And, and you know, at first I had to lead them off. I'd be like, shows up on time, you know, attendance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, you know, I'll, you know, they're like, you know, uh, finishes the job, cleanliness, da, da, da. So we go through this great list. I said, all right. And I said, um, you know, what makes a good company? And they're like, oh, yeah, benefits and, you know, flexibility and, you know, training and, and you know, uh, communication. I said, okay, that's, that sounds really good. What will we want our customers to say about Think PLC? And they're like, you know, um, you know, easy to do business with, you know, great, you know, whatever. We went through the whole list. And then so I, I drew a line under it and I looked around and I said, all right, I'm going to hold you to this. You guys said it. You know, this is yours. This is your baby. And we're going to put this up here. Um, are you, you guys, I'm going to hold you accountable now, right? You you guys put, you set the standard. Um, it, you know, in, in doing that, we, we talk a lot about, you know, what do, what's our favorite three customers, Okay. So we're like, oh, yeah, you know, the guys at Krispy Kreme, you know, the guys over here. Uh, and, um, and and so we say, what do we like about these people? What what do we foster that we like them so much? You know, they're fair. You'd be like, wouldn't we want them to say that same thing about us? So what are we doing as an organization to make sure that happens? We're not going to post a mission statement that means nothing or the sentences don't really come together eclectically to move us forward. Um, and so, you know, the last, I, I love it, the last all company meeting, you know, what we left there with, I didn't come up with this, but I'm coining it and it's our new thing. <laughs> and, and I'll follow up on the, the engineer, the two to five year engineer guys, what they need to hear right now. But it, um, one, of, um, one of our guys come up with this. He said, guys, we, we need to always question, is it as good as it can be? Everything we do. I want everybody to think, I didn't come up with that. I wish I did, right? Um, And that means hitting e-stop two or three times and making sure that it resets and power cycling that control panel for you drive four hours back home after making that program change, right? Like Mm -hmm. think about, is it as good as it can be? You know, um, that is a big deal. Lastly, we talk about engagement. The Mm -hmm. the number one um, personality flaw that us PLC programmers have. Let's talk about it. Do you know what it is? It's to come behind another programmer and badmouth what he did. Because <laughs> we don't understand why he did. Our mindset is in a different world. There's three ways to do the same thing. I mean, I just delete Here's, the code and start over. But <laughs> Right, you delete it. This is junk, right? No, yeah. it, it worked. It worked for 15 years. No, it's not. Um, but, you know, especially like, I can't have one of my engineers go behind another engineer and badmouth it to it in front of our customer. Yep. And, and I don't want our people badmouthing other integrators, other machine builders. I think it's a character flaw. I think it's the easy way out. It's the easy way to convince that customer why 
they should pay you to rewrite it and they should allow you the time to fix it um, without having to go back and understand step by step what that person was thinking and how Mm -hmm. they did it. It's easier to start over. Um, There's a professional way to handle that. And, you know, I wasn't the right person to stand up and talk about it. So I brought in Richard Consoli, who had run an integration firm for nearly 30 years and sold it and become corporate, uh, you know, become the president of a very large organization. He took the time because I called him to come over here and talk to my people about that and what it means, how it means to act and how we behave. And it was riveting. Interesting. I I love this conversation, Bobby. It was, I'm, I'm not sure what I thought it was going to be, but I feel like our conversations are never what I think they're, they're going to be when you start out. And that's the reason that I continue to come back. And I hope it's the reason that everyone continues to, to, to listen. So I think that this is a fantastic conversation um, to slightly derail us. Uh, I'm going to ask Vlad to do this uh, very strange, uncomfortable laugh so I can do the ad read. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, perfect. So, um, as everyone knows that, <laughs> excuse me, as everyone knows, uh, Phoenix Contact is sponsoring this systems integration theme. And so we've got some breaking news. We actually have had like multiple pieces of breaking news because they continue to tell us more, which Zach says is what makes him a good marketer. But so the PLC next is Vlad will go ahead and, and hold up. They have an edge gateway. Um, which is now out. It's a state-of-the-art IIoT and edge computing solution uh, designed for data collection in the most demanding environments. Whether you have a small machine or entire manufacturing floor, the PLC Next Edge Gateway leverages its advanced industrial design and programming openness to collect data from any device or sensor and send it directly to the cloud service of your choice. They say any data, any cloud. And so what, what I think is interesting about this is you can take the PLC next that is available, right? So you can get them. You can't really get the uh, the starter kits yet, um, but you can take that and you just, you basically download an app, right? So, so they have that. It's an app. You go ahead and download. They give you some free cloud storage tags that you could in theory, go ahead and expand beyond that um, if you'd like to, but you don't necessarily have to. It's kind of a stepping stone to get into the industrial internet of things. And so we're very happy that, that Phoenix contact is, has come to sponsor this and uh, let me show up last week uh, to their facility and gave me a bit of a tour. Uh, hopefully we will be able to, uh, to go ahead and do more uh, on that. And if you guys watch the, uh, the Solus PLC channel, I, I think Vlad has, uh, has some PLC next stuff that, uh, that uh, is coming out in the future. There, there's yeah, a reason why he's got, it. we're working on it. There's a reason why he's got like 40 of them and he trips over them on, on the way to the desk. And that's not because he bought all the starter kits. And that's why there is a shortage of them um, in North America at the moment. But no, thank you to uh, to Phoenix Contact uh, for going ahead and, and sponsor this. Uh, but I want to talk about this thing that, that we, we teased at the very beginning and now we're running up uh, towards the end of it. But Bobby, can you tell us? Um, a little bit about kind of the marketing engine that Think PLC is and kind of how you came up with this brew logics concept and, and what it is other than a great place to talk about bits and bites and drink beer. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Um, 
Okay, marketing engine. Um, we focus on pull marketing because our sales strategy is one that, that we are not a direct sales organization. We have mm -hmm. no salespeople here. Uh, it's all word of mouth. I joke that I onboard two new salesmen every week, which is, means I just meet a new uh, distributor or mm -hmm. maybe maybe you guys. So I've hit my quote quota this week. Um, and you'll recommend us, right? I mean, it, it is what it is. And um, I work with, uh, through that, just the exact same way, I've worked with a lot of folks that, like the James Deans and the, uh, you know, uh, the Envision Automations, you know, uh, we work and share stuff together through this network of word of mouth. We all share the same goals, which is fantastic. We, we like the pull marketing. We like to create the raving fans, um, customers, where um, they want to buy more and they want to do business with you and they, they, they care about, they don't care about the price. They care about what they're getting. And so, and I built that with customers like the Krispy Kremes. You'll see me uh, advertise. You'll see our articles in control design magazine together where, um, I'm not worried that, you know, as a defend account, uh, who could come do it cheaper or whatever you create that raving fans engine because you'll show up in the middle of the night and you'll service these people and then you, you'll have that next step that is our marketing uh, strategy engine now what is brew logics there's a misconception on it there's a huge conception like it, is it a major manufacturer's thing um what do we do there um I, I, you know god bless the people that show up and they don't know they're really interested and maybe that's what's keeping people showing up we have done a whirlwind of these i've been all over the southeast um i've been invited by a major manufacturer to continue these through the u.s they love them um so the last three, boom, 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 and we're coming to the end for the end of the year. We've been in Johnson City, Tennessee. We've been in Raleigh. We, we're now Winston-Salem. We do these, and it's a, a networking event. And um, it's uh, we piggyback on the craft beer craze. So mm -hmm. we usually do it at a brewery, even though Think PLC does some brewery work. It's not about, you know, filling tanks and, and controlling process valves to, to control the yeast um, in a brewery system. It's just a good networking event where people find suppliers, they find employees. Okay. Uh, so if you're a manager of a major, uh, if you're a maintenance manager and you show up at the local one, you might find that new maintenance guy that shows up. He's really looking for a new job. You talk, you share a beer together, whatever, it's up to you. Um, so the food is included. And what we do is about a 45 minute technical deep dive unbiased presentation. We don't let any of the major manufacturers present. We keep them in the back. They're not allowed to speak. And we show off really cool stuff using their um, products. We keep the PowerPoints to a minimum and we want to show live using the products. Um, I, I suggest if you can't come 2021 to a BrewLogics event, you check out the webinar that was released a few weeks ago that I did with John to tell him where I show off the CEM language, the cause and effect matrix. I do that at the BrewLogics. That was, that was new. There's no documentation out. There's no videos out. And so that's one of the things. Currently, I'm showing off the new TPLC where I do kinematics robotic operations with uh, S210s, and I do it under four minutes. And then I do the CEM language where I'm doing a process system and a digital system with a conveyor. And, and the ideal is you see it and you say, man, I don't know what Bobby did. I'm not a programmer, but my guy should be doing that. Or maybe I should get them in here to take a look. That stuff looked really neat. And it's just a, a network event. Uh, a group of guys at different companies would get together on 
Friday evenings um, about four o'clock and we'd go to Foothills Brewing and we'd talk and we said, man, you know, how good would it be if other people heard what we're talking about? We, you know, I didn't know there was a, a somatic HMI toolbox out there for free you can download or, or this or that or the other. Or have you seen the new Phoenix Contact Speed Starter? It's amazing. You know about that? And we talk about that stuff. And then lastly, I'll say, what a great chance to market it. So imagine if I could get somebody to pay for the whole thing, <laughs> um, which we've been able to do because they're very low cost events to put on. And so um, show up with an open mind. You might see something cool you don't know about. Um, you might meet some people that could either help you find a job or find a product you need help with. And it's just about piggybacking on the craft beer craze and enjoying ourselves. Um, Think PLC is trying to do things new. That's why we, you know, we have unlimited PTO. We pay 100% medical benefits. We do marketing events like this. Um, we are not the the integrator of the 1990s that still exists. We're trying to do things different, and this is just one way we're doing it, man. Bobby, just a, a small thought, I guess, on the Brew Logics presentation. I don't know if you've thought about yeah. broadcasting, especially the uh, you know the technical component. I know that networking might be a little bit difficult to uh, you know to create online, but uh, I think it would be beneficial looking into I don't know setting up some kind of a camera that would allow yeah. people to to listen in. But just a just a thought about. It. Coming soon. Vlad, I, I was, I was going to say, Vlad is thinking too small. The question Vlad should have asked Bobby is at some point next year, can we get together with you guys and do a show at a BrewLogics event? I think we need a live podcast. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, Absolutely. That, that's, that's what I'm saying as well. So uh, you all, everyone watching and, and listening, um, stay tuned. 2022. We'll, uh, we'll make it happen at, uh, at some point. It should be exciting. Perfect. Um, Vlad, we, we are getting close to the, uh, we're getting close to the hour mark as, uh, as, as we somehow always do uh, with this great conversation. Do you have any last questions before we try to ring one more book recommendation out of Bobby? Well, I do want to, you know, really quickly maybe revisit the, the idea of uh, Vistage, which you've mentioned a couple of times, but I know, yeah. Um, again, because we might have business owners listening in. I saw that Preston uh, thanked you for the shout out that you made uh, towards his company. But uh, could you explain to us a little bit more, you know, what uh, Vistage does, what uh, what your experience has been and maybe like who you'd recommend uh, looking into it? Anyone that is running a business needs to look into a CEO slash leadership mentoring program um you know if you think you can't afford it you're wrong i don't care what you're doing where you're at in your career i don't care how much money your business makes whether you're a hundred thousand dollar a year company or a hundred million dollars a year your top leadership should be in some kind of mentoring in leadership program um, after being featured in uh, Triad Business Journal here about something totally different than automation, it was more on the business side of things um, pre-COVID, um, I had someone reach out to me, my leadership coach now, and, um, you know, I get a lot of, you know, financial, like, you know, wealth management people reaching out all the time, stuff like that. It gets overwhelming. Um, but he, he run through and I invited him in and he he hit some topics, you know, like I knew in past businesses we were failing because we didn't have advisory board and peer-to-peer, -peer, you know, group oversight. 
over the owners making decisions. Um, you know, I knew that there needed to be more engagement on tactical um, aspects of bringing on onboarding new people, uh, uh, management training, like we talked about before, and how crucial that was. And how, as a leader, let's be vulnerable and be fair with our employees. Um, and I needed help with that. How do you do that? Like, right, I, I know how to do more, you know, uh, Snamex S120s with a TIE portal platform, but do I know how to do that? I felt vulnerable because I didn't. And it rung home and Vistage just fit for me. Um, and what's great about it is we do a monthly workshop. I do monthly one-on-ones with my Vistage coach. I have access to speakers. Like, unfortunately, we lost Colin Powell. He was one of my speakers just a couple months ago. Um, we get amazing level people that, that hit on topics like sales and marketing, um, leadership and, and HR, you know, onboarding tactics. And, and, um, it's, and you, you have a peer group of people that not in the same business as you, but are like-minded business people of all different walks of life. And I've made friends and now, you know, brothers, um, hopefully sisters, we can add some, some, some different, um, um, add a female finally to our group, but um, it's been amazing. And if you're not looking at that, uh, again, I don't want you to look up five years from now and say, what happened? We're off the rails. Uh, this is one way to keep it on the rails. I present on my company's um, financial health. Um, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, I have to go present on the goals I presented the first quarter of this year. Are we on track? Are we not? I'm being held accountable, guys, and that's what it's all about. No, I, I love that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, thank you for talking about that, Bobby. I, I will I will shout out uh, another organization. So there's a free uh, organization called SCORE. They're through the Small Business Administration. Um, they have free mentors that go through a class that, that are all, you know, business people to some extent and have, you know, at the towards the end of their career generally come to the point of saying, hey, you know, I want to give back. So it, it, it's a great organization, um, especially if you're looking to start a business. I would definitely suggest going and, and checking those guys out. Um, either for their vast uh, amount of free webinars or to actually talk and and work with mentors as well. No, no, perfect. So, so thank you. Thank you for that, Bobby. Um, As I said, I, I, so I pre-warned Bobby that I was going to ask him for a, a book recommendation. And I think we're to like book recommendation eight. So, uh, so, so Bobby, can you throw us out that book that I know you're ready to hold up and uh, tell us a little bit about it? So what's on my desk right now is uh, Crucial Conversations. This is the third edition. This has been around a while. There's a new book by this author coming out. Um, Joseph Greeny is the key writer, but it's been vetted and and there's a lot of co-authors on this. Um, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. Um, I, in the past, were, I always avoid the uh, confrontation conversations, either in my personal life or in my professional life. I let things stew way too long, and it was a flaw of mine. Um, so doing our carefrontation engagement, I'm studying how to have crucial conversations that get to the point quicker because you always feel way better after doing it and you can get on to having that clear clarity of your communication tactics. And so that's just one I'm, I'm hopped on right now. It was actually recommended to me by my Vistage coach. That's the good stuff we learn in leadership counseling. And um, yeah, I'm learning this so I can give back to others. 
No, no. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it, Bobby. And uh, last question for you is, is who should reach out to you? Who should reach out to think PLC? Oh my gosh, who shouldn't, right? <laughs> uh, again, I go back to Vlad and he reached out to me a year ago, I had a business related question. And um, I think within the hour we're on the phone and, and I'm, I'm, I'm spilling my beans on how things work and what I've been through and what he should look at doing. And um, I'm passionate about it. That's become my passion now. And so um, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, I'm a busy person like everybody else, but um, I'm passionate about answering questions related to business or technical aspects. We get business through word of mouth. So uh, LinkedIn has been great for people reaching out for us to do engagements on a long-term basis, short-term basis, building control panels, just doing CAD drawings for those folks. Um, or co-sponsoring or working together to do a brew logics. I'm getting a lot of those now. And uh, yeah, so uh, feel free to reach out anytime. No, perfect. Thank, thank you so much, Bobby. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, uh, whoever has made it to the, uh, to the end of this, both live or on the podcast. Uh, this has been episode 37 of Manufacturing Hub with me, Dave, and this guy over here, Vlad. Um, if you've made it this far on the pod, podcast, please do the thing of rating us five stars and liking us and subscribing and all of those things. You can check us, uh, find Vlad, myself, Bobby, and all of our information, including our sponsor on Manufacturing Hub. Dot live. Um, until next week, we'll see you guys all soon. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bobby. I appreciate it.